Thank you for joining me on the Surviving Depression Podcast. I am your host, Carl Binger. And what I have for you today are six recorded segments that are part of a larger segment of a workshop I conducted at New City Fellowship Beachwood in Rochester, New York. Uh, Pastor Chris and Associate Pastor Alex uh, welcomed me and this topic with open arms. And I truly hope God will bless you um, as I cover the following uh, in these six segments. Uh, So for the first segment, it's an intro and awful advice. The second segment is goals and coping skills. Third, God heals us differently and Jesus in his care. The fourth session, carrying each other's burdens and being vulnerable and diet. Fifth session, diet, spiritual life and feelings are not facts. And the sixth segment or session is God moves in many ways. Jesus counseled and treatment options. Yeah, and just introduce yourself, or do you want to, you ladies want to start? What's your name? Uh, where you work? What's your social security number? No, just, uh, just a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I'll, 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 how about this? I'll reintroduce myself. My name is Carl. I'm a, a therapist. I'm a you know Christian. I love God. I love people. I did this and started this workshop and activities around it because I suffer from depression myself in the past. I'm still on medications for depression, and I just have a passion for helping people deal with depression and walk through depression. And another thing is the reason this mic is here is I am recording the the workshop for people to listen to later and for me to go back and, you know, just learn from some things. Get some great insight. I've already heard people saying some really great things that I'm like, okay, that's going in my next lesson. Uh, so, but if there's something that you say that you don't want in there, you know, let me know. I can edit it all out. So, but just want to let you know that. So, that's me. What about you guys? Yeah, thank you for sharing. And you know what? It's interesting. When I was going through depression, what was really interesting is human human nature, human condition, we can get mad at God for everything, right? One thing I was mad at God about is when I was going through depression and finally got medications and finally got help, I'm like, okay, I got help. I'm good. Cool. But then I'm talking to my friend Dave and I'm like, Dave, how did you get out of depression? And he was like, well, it just kind of went away on its own. And I got mad. But, well, how did, why did God heal you like that? Why didn't he do it with me? And you know what Dave said? Well, I was mad because God let you go on medication. Dude. How silly. How, you know, and one passage that comes to mind is um, at the end of the gospel where Peter is asking Jesus about John. But what about him? He's like, don't worry. You follow me. Don't worry about how I deal with other people. And there's passages, I think, in Hebrews where it talks about how different people of the faith suffer. Some people died by the sword. Some people didn't even really suffer that much. Right. So God deals with us all differently in a sense that 
our depression may go away naturally. Our depression may go away with some, you know, exercise and diet changes or uh, some more physical uh professional involvement or some more naturalistic ways, you know? Uh, so just God is sovereign over our suffering, you know? And so I just want to kind of throw that point in there. Let's hop into this lesson. And so um, you guys are, just kind of give you a little bit of a, a recap is uh, what we do is um, we, we go through a biblical lesson. I point out some clinical things and then at one point I wanted to do like personal stories, but the way the class has been going is people share some of their stories almost organically. So we don't need to do that. And so that's something I'm writing down. Like, don't do that anymore. Just do the, let the group do the stuff, you know, do their thing. So, um, and then the other thing is like a personal exercise and I'll kind of do that at the end. And that's essentially just like a CBT sort of exercise. So it'll, uh, I'll do that at the end of, uh, of the lesson. So why don't we jump into the lesson, what you guys learned from this particular passage. And essentially what I was pointing out to everyone or encouraging everyone to focus on is the man's condition in Mark uh, chapter five, right? And how Christ cared for him. And so what I want to do is I want to, if you guys as, as I'm going through this, because I heard a really, really great point over here. I won't ruin it, but I really hope whoever said it over here says what they said. <laughs> um, I'll go through the things that I kind of learned in, in, there, in that packet for your reference later or for someone you want to share it with. But as I'm reading this, again, as I continue to say, God, and I hope you do this too, you guys when you suffer from depression or any affliction, it's not happening in a vacuum. You're not just suffering for the sake of suffering. Like God isn't just saying, I want to bring this pain upon you so you can just suffer. God is always using it for something. And most often than not, it's to help other people. It's not just for you and your personal growth. It's for your personal growth to help and give to other people. And I've learned that more than anything, right? So depression, you suffer from it, okay. Who can you help? Who can you love, right? So this man's condition. What I've learned is that this man was clearly dealing with mental illness. His primary diagnosis was demon possession. Now, what I wanna make clear is if you're depressed, that does not mean you're demon-possessed. Just like if you have cancer or stroke or uh, you're crippled, like the you know some of the people in the New Testament, they had physical ailments, but they weren't demon-possessed, or some of them were. So the causes for depression is multifaceted, right? It could, you could be demon-possessed and then have depression, but I think that was more of during Jesus's time. Like you don't walk around seeing a lot of demon possessed people, right? But trauma, genetics, those cause depression, right? Stress can lead to depression. So all that to say, I'm reading this passage and I'm reading all these different passages we're going through. And I'm learning that mental illness is deeper into scripture than I first thought, right? So this guy's condition, 
isolated in the mountains, on the hills, amongst the tombs. How bad was this guy's condition? Think about that for a second. How bad was this guy's condition to live in a cemetery? He was living there. He lived amongst the tombs. He was isolating. He was self-harming. He was cutting himself with rocks. Poor hygiene. I don't think there's a bathtub in a cemetery. I don't think there's any good food in a cemetery. What was this guy eating? Where was he taking a bath? Where was he sleeping? Was he even sleeping at all? The scripture says day and night he was crying out loud. That's another thing. He was crying. I didn't even write that down. He's crying. Right? That's a symptom of depression, crying all the time or not crying at all. So either way, the guy was, he was either not crying, couldn't cry, or he was crying too much. And scripture tells us he was crying day and night. Loss of interest. Do you think this guy had any interest in doing things? If all he was doing was in the tombs? Maybe he was interested in dead people, right? Doubt it. Naked. Guy was running around butt naked. Naked. Does this convince you guys that he had a mental illness? Right? This is hallmark, at the very least, hallmark severe depression. Was it, was it psychosis? Was it all? Probably that too. But I wanted to at least get a baseline of what this guy's going through. Clearly depression, right? Um, how did Jesus care? I heard some, I heard, like I say, both groups said some really good things, but something caught my ear from over here. And one of the things I want to uh, point out here is that um, this guy here and how Jesus cared, uh, this man was sitting at Jesus' feet at the end of all this. He was sitting. And sitting is a posture of not rushing. Earlier, we talked about Christ saying, sit here while I pray, while I go over there and pray. He asked his disciples to sit down and pray while he goes uh, in, the, with, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So sitting demonstrates a posture of no rush. When people are going through depression, let's not rush to get away from them. Let's sit and, and let's sit until they tell us to get out of there. You know, right? If you want to care, let's not put the care uh, up to our discretion necessarily and say, well, hey, I hope you feel better. I'm out of here. I want to sit here until you think it's not useful anymore, right? So sitting, he was sitting at Jesus's feet. Sitting is a posture of Jesus was not in a rush. I'm not in a rush to get out of here. You're sitting. As you read that passage, you think Jesus was in a rush because he went to the next town, right? But he's not in a rush if a guy is sitting down at his feet, right? So that's how Jesus cared. He's taking the time to sit with this man. Maybe Jesus was sitting, maybe he was standing. But that guy was sitting, according to the passage. He was clothed. This blew my mind the more I thought about it. Where did this guy get his clothes from? <laughs> where did he get his clothes from? <coughs> we don't know where his house was. We don't even know if he had a house. If he didn't have a house, he probably didn't have any clothes. He probably didn't have any food. He didn't have food, shelter, clothing. Where did he get this? Where did he get the clothes from? Did Jesus say, hey, look, um, you know, like when Jesus fed the multitudes, he was like, hey, 
I'm, I have compassion on these people because they've been with me for three days. Uh, can you give them some food? I would imagine Jesus said, hey, uh, can we get this guy some food? But can we also get him some clothes? You know what I mean? And I don't know if he, I don't know if maybe Peter gave him his, his jacket or something. I don't know. But he, he clothed this man somehow. This is the most, I think, pivotal moment in this entire passage. Because if you read the New Testament, and I've never heard anyone preach on this before at all. Maybe they did. And I hope they do and still and, and, and still continue preach on it. But nowhere in the New Testament have I ever seen someone healed of demonic possession and then they're in their right mind. It's always a physical affliction, right? Where someone's physically afflicted, like the, the woman who had the issue of blood. Christ said that uh, Satan was afflicting her for years, right? Like the, like the kid who was being thrown into flames. Satan, a demon was doing that, right? Uh, for people who were convulsing and, you know, epileptic and demon possession, physical, crippled, bent over. There were demon possessions associated with physical ailments. This is the only one, unless I'm missing one, where Christ healed this man's mind. And it's so emphatic or so just like, bam, in your face. He was clothed and in his right mind. Clearly dealing with mental illness. Christ healed him of his demonic possession, but he also healed him of his mental affliction that was associated with demonic possession. What does that tell us? That Christ cared deeply for this man who was not only demon possessed, but also mentally afflicted. And he went out of his way to do so. You know, it reminds me of the woman at the well. Right? You, you, like, what is he doing? He's, he's, why are you going to this well? And then you find out, oh my God, he is intentionally coming for this woman, just like he did with this man. I, I'm coming across to see disciples probably asking all type of questions. What are you doing? Why are we over here? Well, you're about to find out. And that's what he does, right? So these passages always have such a deeper meaning than what we read over, but it's pretty clear. I think what Jesus did here for this man, and he loved him so much that this guy was like, I want to go with you. Take me with you. She's like, no, I want you to take. And this is, again, going back to my point. I really believe this. The reason you suffer is not just to suffer. What did Jesus tell the guy to do? Go and tell everybody what I did for you. And what did the guy do? He did exactly what he said. I'm going to go tell everybody how God was merciful to me. So, again, your affliction it's not just happening in a vacuum. It's always, always for you to take it and then go and love other people and serve other people and treat them well and treat them how Jesus treated you, right? Okay, so someone said this. I don't know who said it, and I, I thought it was just fantastic. Uh, this man, as you, as, you could, you know, as you read, this man saw Jesus from far off and ran like I don't know how far it was but he saw from a distance you know what it kind of reminds me of it reminds me of the prodigal son right the dad is far but he's looking he's like oh snaps there's my son 
and bam, he bolts. This guy sees Jesus getting off a boat and he runs, right? Someone said over here that this guy pursued Jesus, but Jesus was already pursuing him, right? He, it was like the woman at the well. He had already knew, right, hey, listen, I got to go to these other towns, preach the gospel, share the good news. The disciples like, okay, cool. But Jesus is like, I already know where I'm going, right? And this is, this is the sovereignty of God, right? I, I already know what I'm doing. I already know how far I'm coming from or how close I am. And even though you feel yourself coming, I've been there already. I've been waiting for you already, right? So this guy's running to Jesus and Jesus is like, dude, I've already been coming to you. I saw you under the tree, you know, over there. I saw you, right? So another, just kind of another point of God's care. You may think as you're running to Christ that you're doing all the running. You're not. One of the passages that encouraged me in depression is... Christ says that if any man or woman comes to me, I will by no means cast them out. So what I always told myself and what I believe God always told me and what he's telling you today is that if you come to Jesus, I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you're, you don't love him or you feel like you don't love him, you hate him. Doesn't matter if you're coming to him, it is because the Holy Spirit is enabling you to. You can't come to Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't. In fact, Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him, right? So if you're depressed and you're like, Jesus, I hate you. I said it. I hate you. You know my heart. I hate you. I hate this situation. Why did you do this? Make this cup pass for me. I don't want your will to be done, but guess what? I'm coming to you anyway. Who do you think's doing that? No one in the world, if you go on the street and ask people, hey, you sought Jesus today? And I'm like, no. Okay. They're not coming to Jesus because he's not drawing them. But if he's drawing you, no matter what your feelings are, you can rest assured that Holy Spirit is moving. It's when you run away, that's when you, you know, all right, got you. Thank you for joining this portion of the Walking with the Person with Depression Workshop. I hope you will listen to and gain insight from the other segments as well.